season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast today we have Canes baseball president New York Mets scouting consultant and pro five Virginia general manager we have Jeff Petty on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series Jeff super pumped to get you on the show how are you doing today I'm doing great man thanks thanks for having me of course you know I'm excited here to dig into the Canes baseball program that you built dig into pro five as well Uh, but before we dig into you know your entire career building these programs I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the JKR podcast and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Jeff Petty? Well, today uh, I'm a father and a husband and just trying to uh, be the best I can be in that, in that department for sure. And um, running these businesses, uh, running Focus Performance, which is a performance center out of Fredericksburg, Virginia, um, with uh, Josh Johnson, who owns Unity Softball, and Maddie Mullins, our strength coach. Just trying to make an impact here in our community, uh, make all the athletes here better. Uh, specifically, you know, stronger uh, um, and more mobile. And I don't know, Maddie is doing a great job with Liz Pardo, assistant strength coach. And then we have uh, Anthony Wallace, our speed speed coach. So that's a focus. And then obviously running our academy here in town out of Fred Nat Stadium. Uh, it's our home. Uh, we practice in the mornings and uh, we do a lot of leadership. I do leadership with John Gordon. We're diving in the Bible some with those guys and also doing leadership once a week. And we have a 50-game schedule, half of which those games are on the road. Uh, our team leads for Hoover. Coach Burke, Anthony Burke's our head coach, doing a good job. We're only six months in existence, so and we have 25 players. Hope to have 40 next year. And enter the NAA, which is the National Academy conference and then obviously run Canes baseball right so started that in 2005 and uh, be the head coach of our Canes national 17 year old team New York Mets scout team we'll get we'll get on the field June the 10th I believe so we're gearing up we have a lot of talent this summer we're excited about that and uh, and also oversee dynamic baseball which is our tournament business Uh, my brother Mike Petty is running that with Dave McCauley probably do 75 to 75 tournaments uh, just this summer um, across the East Coast and starting to do some tournaments in the Midwest too. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's no doubt about that. But um, first and foremost, uh, you know, like to be a friend um, and uh, a father and a husband. You know, those are and, – and trying to work on my faith too. So that's some of my more focal points these days. All right, so obviously the main emphasis today is going to be Canes Baseball, Pro 5 Academy, maybe dig into the dynamic baseball a little bit as well. Uh, but just a quick, you know, brief here, just kind of take us through, you know, maybe that baseball background, and kind of, you know, how you got that start with within the game and got that start in coaching. Yeah, I mean, well, baseball is something that, you know, my dad introduced me at a very young age, uh, coached me in Little League, and, and then play, I was lucky enough to be – in a pretty good situation here in Fredericksburg at Cortland high school. When I was in high school uh, playing for a winning program, Rick Holcomb, who won a state championship in 1995. And then I was a freshman in 96 
Hudson, I went in with a really pretty a good group of guys, and we uh, we all played up until 2000, and we won a state championship in 2000 with, with I think it was like 10 seniors on that team. And then I went to college and played at UNC Pembroke for Paul O'Neill, uh, who's still to this day um, a mentor of mine and someone I look up to and, and obviously realized, you know, I wasn't going to play past college and got – it want, you know, the coaching thing was dialed in my head early, early on. I was probably 19 years old and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to coach. So that was what I was going to do. And then got into uh, high school coaching. I got a PE degree and, you know, started the Canes my first year coaching high school ball. Um, just compiling players from all around me, just local, local players that I was around, but also, players up in Virginia because I was coaching in North Carolina. You know, we, we took a team to Florida and it was uh, Carolina Hurricanes was that first team. That was in 2005. Uh, relocated back to Virginia in 2007. At that point, we had, you know, teams kind of rolling in North Carolina and uh, got some teams rolling in Virginia. Met a guy named Jamie Evans up in Maryland. We started some teams up in Maryland. So now we got Maryland and Virginia and North Carolina kind of rolling. But uh, it's just been a domino effect of just meeting some great people. And uh, it's certainly not something that was planned that we would be here at the level we're at 18 years later. But uh, extremely fortunate, you know, to, again, to meet just so many great people. Yeah. So, you know, you start off as a high school coach. What was that motivation there in your first year, you know, coaching to start? I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes ended up being the Canes. Uh, just, I mean, take us through that motivation and kind of, you know, how that's evolved here, you know, there at the, at the early beginning. Yeah, the truth is there was no motivation. I uh, I ran into a former high school teammate of mine uh, over Thanksgiving break. I came back up to Virginia and he was running uh, AAU baseball at a Disney Wild World of Sports and invited me to come down and put a team in. And so I did. And so I had to start a team. So I wanted to put a good team on the field that summer, you know, and uh, we did that really worked hard on recruiting and getting the best players we could to go play in that event. We practiced for a week up at UNC down at UNC Pembroke before we went down to Florida. And then that was a bunch of 16 year olds at the time. And then in the fall, they wanted to keep it going. So that's what we did. And uh, the motivation has always just been to put good teams on the field, but help kids. I mean, I look back to that first team uh, when we inherited all those players, none of them were committed to college at the time. And uh, it was really a big motivation of ours was to help all those kids that wanted to play at the next level do that. And we had a very high success rate getting the, the, the vast majority of those kids uh, college scholarships and help them go play at the next level. All right. So I'm sure, you know, at the time as you're starting this organization, starting the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, the branding in your mind, you know, probably wasn't a big deal. But to where we're at today in today's world where the Canes baseball is known across the country, kind of what went into that that naming process and, you know, that branding a little bit back then? Uh, just what, what kind of went into that? Yeah, it, we were sitting on the couch, me and Dan Barzo. Uh, Dan Barzo was a pitching coach of that first Carolina Hurricanes team. And he was also uh, on – we played college baseball together at UNC Pembroke. Uh, Dan, uh, before he moved back to Chicago, he's from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he's a relief pitcher at UNC Pembroke. He's our pitching coach. And we're just sitting there on the couch trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to name this thing? And we were watching the Miami Hurricanes play on TV. And we uh, – it was a Friday night, I believe, and they were playing. 
and they had green and orange on and, and we just liked it. You know, it took note of that. And then on Saturday they were wearing black and we we're like, man, that black uni sweet. And then on Sunday they were wearing um, an, another white set, but it had a bunch of orange in it. We were just like, man, we really like the color combination that they're rolling out. Let's call it the Carolina hurricanes and let's just copy their color scheme. And that's literally the reason we named it that then okay. 2005, a bunch of 22 year old, fresh out of college, more so kids at the time and just like the uniform scheme and never, and never changed the name. Okay. So I know Dan said when he came on board, it was the Canes orange Canes green. Is that kind of, so at that point when Dan came on board, were you guys still using that color combination of the orange, green and black? Sure were. Okay. Yep, so we sure were. When they went, yep. So at what point does that change to, you know, where you guys are at now with the yellow, black and white? Yeah. So uh, we, Evo Shield, Hardy Jackson at the time was the owner of Evo Shield, and he wanted to strike a deal where we were kind of their flagship travel organization. And um, the deal was, if we were going to do that, we had to switch to their colors, which their colors were black and yellow. Um, and that was probably in 2012, if I had to guess, or 13 uh, was was around that time frame. But that's why we had to switch to black and yellow. and we since you know we're not the evo shield canes anymore that was only a, just a small period of time where we were the evo shield canes and then we went back to canes baseball um and at any rate we just never switched back to green and orange we just kept the black and yellow going so you know as you're starting this organization 22 year old kid just fresh out of high school your first year coaching high school ball I mean, what, what hurdles kind of came with starting the Can Hurricanes organization um, just there at the beginning, those first couple of years or so, as you're putting teams to, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, moving up to Maryland, you know, what, what kind of hurdles came with that? And, you know, just starting the organization in general. Yeah, I mean, no, not a lot of, there was no money, you know, so we, we didn't have the things that I would have loved to have had, Um we, you know, we didn't have pitching machines and a ton of baseballs and our uniforms were, we had to really raise a lot of money to get our paws on uniforms and stuff like that and wanted to drive the cost. It's just, that was, that was, I mean, when you're starting out, that was uh, a big thing. Um, and obviously we didn't have the contacts that we have now. Um, that, that those our contacts we have now are definitely earned over a lot of years of trust. And you know, you're just first starting out and people meet you. Uh, they don't know whether to take you seriously or not. You know, you, you recommend a player to a college coach or a scout. And early on, they don't know who you are. I mean, obviously, 18 years later, uh, I'd like to think that there's a lot of trust built in the industry uh, where you pick up the phone, call a college or a pro scout or whoever. Um, you know, there's instant trust there because of our track record. So there at first, like we talked about, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, you guys are more of a regional-based team. Evo Shield, Evo Shield comes on board. You become the Evo Shield Kings. Um, take us through that evolution to where, where you guys got to the point to where an organization, like a brand like Evo Shield was reaching out. Kind of what went into that and, you know, how you guys have evolved, you know, after that to Kings National, Kings American, Kings Scout, kind of where you guys are at today. You know, take us through that evolution and kind of what, what, what went on with that. I mean, the starting piece of that was 2013, maybe 12. Uh, we were in Jupiter, and we got beat in the quarterfinals. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we had a lot of good players on our team. I mean, we were very, very good. Uh, 
with players from North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, predominantly those four states. And we got beat by a team, Marucci Elite at the time. And back then, Marucci had players from all over the country on their team. At any rate, you know, uh, I remember that night when we got eliminated, I think it was like two to one. Um, I just remember thinking to myself, man, these guys got players from all over the country on their team. I want to be able to have the ability to go out and get players from all over. So we just amped it up. You know, we started, I used to, I would attend the area code games every year. Uh, Under Armour All-American game at Wrigley Field. Um, I would go to the PG All-American game, PG National Showcase. So I was just, if there was a showcase going on in the country, I mean, I was personally going to be there and just making contact, shaking hands. Dan Gitson was a big part of that process too. And we just really started grabbing players from all over. I think the first pitcher we ever got from California was a guy by the name of Grant Hawken. And uh, he was committed to UCLA at the time. And uh, that kind of just catapulted our name out in California and on the West Coast in general, and then started getting players from Texas, Indianapolis, and so forth and so on. And we just proved to ourselves and everyone else that, you know, we could service players from all over the country. Yeah. Well, at first, when it's you and the pitching coach that you played ball with in college, kind of as you guys got bigger and bigger, kind of what went into, you know, adding new coaches or adding coaches to teams that were based out of, you know, different states like Maryland, Virginia, that type of those type of states. Uh, kind of what went into, you know, adding those coaches? Um, was there like a you know, maybe a certain interview process where you looking for certain qualities within your coaches? What did that kind of look like? And when did you know that you started, you needed to start, you know, adding new coaches beyond you and your, your pitching coach that you played ball with in college? Well, the pitching coach I played ball with in college, I think he did it for six months and he was done, you know, so that was a short-lived situation. He uh, moved back to Chicago to be with his family. But, um, you know, hiring coaches has always been, you know, based off of feel and just reputation of a coach and track record of a coach and a personal relationship built over time. Uh, you know, I, my first pitching coach was Jamie Evans. Um, and I had a, you know, just good rapport with him and, and really liked what he did. And then when he got out, Jason Mills, who's been, I think our pitching coach now for, I mean, I think almost 10 years now, uh, Jason was a longtime coach in another travel organization, also a very good high school coach in North Carolina, uh, been there almost 30 years and just a winning tradition there at DH Conley. And he's been with us ever since. And just as we've added players and the level of players, I like to put good coaches around me and just so we can service our guys at a high level. Um, so that's really kind of important to me. I, I don't like, these organizations where you'll see, you know, one coach to 20 players, you know, I like that ratio. Yeah. So as you started to add coaches, as you guys continuously started to build to, you know, becoming more less than a regional team, more of a national team, how have your job duties kind of changed over time back? I'm sure when it was just you and a couple of guys, you know, you were probably doing the majority the bulk of the work to, you know, where it's now to maybe you bring on Dan, bring on Jarrett, all these different guys. So, you know, I mean, the work's, you know, a bunch of work still, but, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, more categorized into certain categories. What does that look like? And how has your job duties kind of changed over these past, you know, 18 years? Yeah, I mean, my my duties are much different now than they were 18 years ago, but there's also way more going on than there was then, you know, when I was just managing a a team or four or, or even 10 teams, you know, administratively, now you, you look at what we're trying to manage. It's it's, it's a lot more. Uh, Dan's doing an exceptional job generally managing the whole organization. Um, 
And, you know, for me, and then Jarrett has done an amazing job uh, with the logistics of running our team in the summer, you know, to everything to where we're staying, to our uniforms, to our apparel, to travel, to communicating with team and, you know, all of that stuff. It's, I literally can worry about coaching. Um, I'm going to show up this summer and I'm going to coach. I'm going to manage our team. Uh, I'm going to talk to scouts and try to go out and, and win baseball games. I mean, now it's to the point where I'll run our offense, maybe grab a fungo here and there, maybe not. I mean, we just got so many coaches now that it's uh, you really can hone in on focusing on the team day to day, who we're playing um, and, you know, what our guys need. It's uh, I mean, this is in such a great position. I mean, we have, you know, Greg Connor around. He's our hitting coach and Tim Lowry. um, Those bunch of BP for us and coaches first base. Just uh, we have even a bullpen catch bullpen coach who caught professionally. Uh, We have an infield coach uh, that's going to handle all our infielders who uh, played professionally. Uh, we even have uh, a guy coming in and doing team chaplains and leadership stuff. And he's a great hitting coach too. That'll assist in the hitting. And obviously coach Mills does our pitching. It's uh, and we have a great strength and conditioning coach. He's based out of Southern California too. So can you throw Jared in the mix of all that? I mean, we really have a great coaching staff and I just can focus on the team and, and try to go out and win baseball games. Yeah. So, you know, as we talk about all those different coaches, let's kind of dig into, you know, what that looks like for you in the summertime. So let's dig through, you know, a game day routine. Obviously, with you coaching the 17U national team, you guys generally have that bus with you. So kind of take us through, you know, an average game day for Canes National for you and all you guys, you know, hopping on the bus to maybe doing some pregame BP. Kind of take us through what that kind of looks like for you. Um, Any given tournament, you know, having that bus and you just that game day routine for you and all your coaches. Yeah, so, I mean, if we have a 2 o'clock game, uh, we'll meet, we have, we rent a conference room everywhere we go. It's our team meeting space. We hand uniforms out of there. So if we have a two o'clock game. We'll probably meet around 10 in the morning, go over the day, uh, who we're playing, who's starting that day, um, on the mound, who's available out of the pen, who's not, um, those guys that are off that day that, that they know they're not going to pitch. Uh, briefly go over what they're going to do with our strength and conditioning coach at the field. Uh, um, maybe just give the guys – sometimes we'll go over some leadership-type stuff. And then we'll uh, we'll go over our batting practice plan, who's in what group, um, infielders, what they're going to be doing when they're not hitting, base running, uh, outfielders, you know, when they're going to be taking their live fly ball reads during batting practice. Uh, and, and pitchers, what are they going to be doing? Are they going to be with our strength coach? They can be with Coach Mills. Some guys might be on bullpen days. There's just a lot to manage. You know, we have 25 to 30 players, but uh, with our staff. And, you know, then we get on the bus. We head to an off-site. So we rent a, 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 we rent a field in town, um, do a professional stretch with Coach Wright, uh, get warm, and then go into our batting practice routine which again, you know, you're going to have four groups, you know, group one's hitting, group two's and maybe taking ground balls, group three, you know, fly ball reads, group four is running bases, and then we rotate, you know, through it. That's going to take about an hour to an hour and a half, get on the bus, get a gas station somewhere, hydrate, get a bunch of water, snacks, and then head to the field, 
usually show up to the field about an hour before game time, but, you know, we're in a different boat than everyone else. Typically, uh, we, we're not going to get in a cage because we just took hundreds of ground balls and we just took swings on the field. So um, usually we're in a situation where we find some shade and chill or even waited out on the bus in the air conditioning and let out, you know, before, when the game in front of us has ended and get on the field, stretch, throw, and, and, and rock and roll and, and run into our game. So we, we much have a different process of getting ready for a travel game than others, for sure. And that's kind of wanted to bring it up because I know Jarrett mentioned that, you know, your 17U national team, you know, always has that bus. Um, but for you, you know, being the president of the Canes organization, you know, coaching that that national team, you know, as the guys are going through their last year um, with the Canes, kind of take us through, you know, what those relationships you have with some of your ball players. I know you you mentioned before we started recording um, that, you know, this spring you might be going out to a couple college games, a couple of professional games to, you know, see some of your former players. Uh, but just kind of take us, you know, maybe what some of those relationships you have, you know, with some of these Canes players. Yeah, I mean, some are closer than others. I love all, all of them. You know, every kid that comes through, you know, I love them. You know, I want all of them to succeed, you know, whether it's in baseball or, you know, just in life in general. Um, I can think of tons of my former players that are not in baseball that I'm extremely close with. Um, you know, and then, then you got different, you know, different ones are different. You know, it's like I'm going to be in Florida. I'm taking my family to spring break vacation down in West Palm Beach. And you know, I fully intend on getting up with you know some of the guys that are on the nationals and the marlins and the cardinals just because you know it's right there um and you know xavier edwards is with the marlins you know joe rizzo's with the marlins i haven't talked to joe in a while but i know when i hit him up he'll he'll get back to me but you know me and xavier are pretty close uh, i went to draft night when he got drafted out of high school i coached that kid since he was 15 i love his mom i love his dad just pretty close to that family uh, mckenzie gore is with the washington nationals i don't talk to McKenzie a ton, but I know McKenzie knows that, you know, I, I want what's best for him. And I was in Washington last year and I reached out to him and got to talk to him before the game. And, you know, and again, you know, like Cole Urban's up in Baltimore. I coached Cole a long time ago, but me and Cole are a little bit on the closer side where, you know, we'll grab dinner and stuff. And if, if we're in the same city, uh, Jake Cave with the Phillies, uh, you know, I'd like to think, you know, me and Jake are, are more friends than anything else now. I mean, I consider Jake like a legitimate friend of mine. And you're not always going to have that relationship with with everybody. Jake's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, when he comes through, he spends the night with his family. And you know, it's just, like I said, it's just different with different kids. Um, but, you know, the intent is is always that you just, you want these guys to be successful. Yeah. So you mentioned draft night there. That's something Dan also brought up a couple of days ago when I was interviewing him. So, you know, as you're looking back and you're looking through all these, you know, major league organizations, seeing all these different guys that you've coached, all these guys you have relationships with, you know, what's that like just looking back into it and be like, man, like, you know, these past 18, 19 years or so, you know, all this hard work I've put in, you know, it's kind of showing it, you know, on that pro college level as well. Um, just kind of what's, what's that like, you know, just looking into it and just seeing uh, all these guys across the country that you've coached, coached for your Canes organization. Yeah, I've always looked at it like this. You know, we're fortunate. It's like Anthony Volpe. I actually shot him a text last night. I saw some videos flying around uh, Major League Baseball uh, yesterday. I guess the day before he went like two for two or three for three or something and stole a bunch of bases and stuff, and I shot him a text. Well, Anthony Volpe, when he came to us, was a stud. That kid's a stud. He's self-made. A lot of these players are they're great players, 
we're just fortunate enough that they got to wear a uniform when they were in high school for a little while. Uh, we've never taken the approach of well, that's our player. Or we developed that player. The reason they made it was us. And we're not like that at all. And uh, the kids know that when they're in high school and they sure as heck know it when they leave. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our industry that will just, you know, poke their chest up and say, well, so-and-so played for me or Bryce Harper played for well, Bryce Harper might have played for you, man, but Bryce Harper was pretty daggone good whether he played for you or not. And that's kind of our approach. And, and we're, we're super appreciative and, and there's a lot of gratitude and it's, it's, it's very humbling um, to see it, but we come from a different angle there and it's an appreciation angle. And, you know, when we have our hands on these kids, when they're in high school, we take it extremely serious to give them a great experience at that time and then see them off. And then they go do, you know, what they do at the next level. Um, never come from an angle of, oh, they, they made it because of us or it's just not, it's not in our DNA. Yeah. So you mentioned guys like Volpe, uh, Siegler, so maybe some other guys who are maybe self-made when it comes to, you know, when they did come to play for the Canes and put your guys' uniforms on. But maybe for some other guys who were, you know, maybe not as developed as what they were after they left the Canes organization, uh, maybe what – as before you maybe hired a recruiting coordinator, what sort of role did you kind of play in when it came to, you know, helping these guys, you know, get recruited, get to that next level um, before um, – who was it? Is it is it Anthony now in charge of the recruiting coordinator? Um, Anthony, Anthony is, is one of the mainstays there. Yeah. We're always going to help. And we, we've helped thousands of kids get scholarships, thousands. And there's been kids released in pro ball, call me and I'll make a call and maybe assisted in getting them a new contract. Always going to be there to help. Um, but never take credit for a player's ability or a player's work ethic uh, ever. So that's the key. I mean, never going to stop helping. You know, transfer portal's a thing now where kids, you know, go to college and they don't, they don't like where they're at or whatever. And, and they need it. They need help. But um, yeah, that, that makes sense. So, you know, as the Canes organization has evolved here these past 18 years, you guys got to the point now to where you guys have, you know, Canes, Myth Canes Myth Midwest, Canes, Indiana, Canes, Southeast, Canes, Florida, all these different branches. You know, when did that start coming about? When did organizations start reaching out to you guys to be a Canes branch? And kind of what goes into, you know, that, that brand extension um, with having teams across the country, you know, with that Canes brand? Yeah, some of the first ones were up in the Mid-Atlantic and in the Florida area, you know, back I guess we're working almost 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, you just want to find people that are cut from the same cloth we are. And that's trying to help the athlete, regardless of the level, whether it be junior college, D3, D2, D1, draft. I mean, it, or it even a kid that isn't going to play in college. You know, it's okay. That's what drives me crazy sometimes. It's okay for a kid to play baseball in high school and want to travel and have a good experience playing and not play in college. What's wrong with that? Like, I mean, I played with many kids that were great high school players and had a good experience. And then they went to college and they didn't play in college. They got a degree and they are now in the FBI or whatever. So I think at the end of the day, I think it's just, again, 
about creating a good experience for the players and being honest with them at whatever level they may be and uh, align yourself with others that want to do that. Okay. So where we're at today, you, know, you guys are also the New York, the, the, you guys are also the New York <laughs> scout team. I know you are a New York Met scouting consultant. So, you know, when did that kind of come into play? When did you start, when did you get connected with the New York Mets to start working for them? I mean, how long did it take for you guys to, you know, become the New York Mets scout team there? I believe Jarrett said it was 2021 where that kind of started. Uh, just kind of take us through, you know, your relationship with the Mets and how that's evolved here, being the scouting consultant and then leading up to the New York Mets scout team. Yeah, 2012, 13 timeframe, we would play in a tournament called the, New York, the, the Metropolitan Classic, which was up at City Field. The New York Mets actually had a tournament at City Field with us and four other organizations. And they'd try to get the best players in the country there to City Field. And I would help with that um, event. Got in close with Tommy Tanis at the time, J.P. Ricciardi, who was uh, the assistant general manager at the time. And at any rate, uh, Brian Hayes got involved. Brian Hayes with the Mets then is, is now with them now. We're still friends. But just uh, getting involved with them and helping them run that event, going up to New York and planning it and playing in that event. And, and that kind of evolved to being a scouting consultant with them, talking about our players, talking about players I see. Obviously, I see a lot of good players. Even if I'm not coaching um, them on my team, I see them play for other teams. And so consult in that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 21 thing and becoming the Mets scout team, giving it, you know, giving a trial run, you know, get to wear that professional uniform. I am affiliated with the Mets, love the New York Mets, the organization and all the people in it and, uh, having our players get to wear a professional uniform, uh, every other day, you know, we wear our cane stuff and then we flip flop to the Mets each day. Um, it's been cool. It's been nice to represent the Mets organization, but also put a professional uniform on our players. Yeah. So, you know, with you guys being that New York Mets scout team, I know you guys have a couple scouts in that dugout every game. Um, you guys, you know, wearing, you know, officially, um, officially branded Mets gear. Um, what kind of benefits does that bring to your guys as players? And I guess benefits to the organization, because I'm sure, you know, there's, there might be a couple players across the country wanting to play for the Canes baseball slash New York Mets scout team. Just what benefits does that bring, you know, for your guys as players, for your guys as organizations in general of being that New York Mets scout team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's to put the professional uniform on. That's the thing. I mean, I, I don't, we get our players based off of what service we provide and, and the events we play in and our track record. I don't, it, it just getting to wear that professional uniform and represent a major league baseball team is kind of, you know, where that's at. I think that's a cool experience for the kids. We do have some scouts, paid scouts, supervisors and stuff that pop in our dugout. Uh, from time to time and you know that's kind of a cool experience for our players too um but you know i think again i think it's just putting on that professional uniform is is that experience yeah so with that metropolitan classic you said you were kind of you know helping organize organize the tournament um that's also something you've had some previous experience in with dynamic baseball you said you and your brother you know host a bunch of tournaments up there in the northeast but are starting to expand to the midwest you know when did you kind of start working on these tournaments and how did that kind of go about um, and then I guess kind of what goes into, you know, scheduling a tournament and the motivation there. Sure. Yeah. No, when we, we started early in the, in, on, we want to play on college campuses and we were, we were playing a couple other events that weren't ours. And it was just clear that this, the coaches kind of want to work with us. And so we started running events at colleges here in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland, 
And, you know, it's, we try to help other organizations too get on those college campuses. We think it's really important to play on these college campuses. You get to knock out a bunch of birds with, you know, with one stone there, you know, you see the campus, you see the facilities and so in a lot of cases that those coaching staff, somebody on staff is there watching the games. Uh, so, you know, you just got to, I think that that's really been the motivation is just to get the players on those campuses. Yeah. So what's kind of led into you guys expanding to the Midwest? I know you said at the beginning, you and your brother were doing it more in your guys' region. You guys are starting to expand to the Midwest. Kind of what went into that decision-making process to kind of do that? Um, and what's this expansion kind of looking like here um, these past couple of years? You just want to get more players on more campuses. I mean, Notre Dame, for example, or University of Michigan. Uh, we know the coaches there, friends of ours. And just, you know, the expansion is nothing more than just wanting to get more players on, on more campuses in different areas to just to give a team that option. I mean, you might be a team from Maryland and you might have some kids that want to play at Notre Dame. Now you have that opportunity is put the ball in these teams court and see if they want to you know travel here and there and go to different areas and play at different campuses. All right, so making that transition a little bit to Pro 5 Academy, I'm sure there was some sort of relationship there before you guys started Pro 5 Virginia. Um, I know A.J. Shepard, one of your guys' old guys, played at Pro 5. Um, a couple other guys as well I saw. Uh, but just take us through, you know, what that relationship was like with Pro 5 North Carolina and how that evolved to you guys, you know, opening a Pro 5 branch in their, uh, there in Virginia as well. Yeah, no, we have the utmost respect for the coaches there at Pro 5 North Carolina, uh, Mike Griffin, Jay Stott. Uh, Drew Anderson, those guys, um, Logan Morgan, their strength coach down there. Um, yeah, everybody we come in contact with down there, we've just thought that the world of Corey Lee and Mac Jenkins with their pitching. And at any rate, uh, we wanted to start an academy up here uh, out of our stadium here at Fred Nat Stadium. And uh, we have a facility here. So, you know, kind of partnering with them has, has been a good deal for us just because of the, you know, the five principles that they stand behind. And we kind of um, really have based a, a lot of our program um, off of that. And it's been, it's, it's been, a, it's been a great thing. You know, like you mentioned, AJ Shepard, um, he's, he's been a good one. Um, and then you got Ryan Clifford was there. So there was, there was a con, you know, there was a, there was a relationship there that, prior that makes sense yeah um so you know as you guys are six months into this pro five organ this pro five academy you guys get into this new business you know what has these past six months looked like has it been what you've expected um has there maybe been some surprises of opening up your guys' own academy um just you know where does that kind of look like right now these past six months and then you know lead into the future yeah no you're learning we're learning as we go for sure you have these kids every single day you know they live here uh there's gonna be bumps and bruises along the way but you know, just trying to learn how to stay on track with their development um, and making sure that we're moving forward every day and we're, we're not staying stagnant or going backwards and managing those kids and making sure that no one gets lost in the shovel, that shuffle that we're staying on top of each kid and giving each kid what, what they need. Yeah. So, you know, being in this business of baseball at this age level from 14 to 18, that high school age level for so long, 18, 19 years or so, um, and from what you've seen, you know, what kind of benefits does it come to, you know, a ball player going to an academy like Pro 5 compared to going to a, you know, a public private high school um, just regularly? You know, what kind of benefits come from that? And maybe, you know, how the comparison is between both of those you know types of programs. Yeah, I think it varies. Uh, I was just having this conversation with uh, 
Tyler Wood the other day. He's a postgrad kid from De La Salle out in California. I feel like if you're at a school like that, you know, you're at a, a school that has a proven baseball program and you're getting everything you need from a development standpoint and the, and the education and everything, I wouldn't leave it to come to an academy. Um, I wouldn't. Um, where I would where I would think about coming here is if you're in a situation at your school where it's just there's no developing going on, the baseball program is kind of getting put by the wayside, not taken seriously, uh, and there, there's not a lot of good players around you, pushing you, developing you, it, no resources being pumped into that program at that high school, and then I would consider coming here. Um, if you're a post-grad kid and you're graduating and you don't like your or options, maybe buying another year of development, um, I would consider coming here. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my thought process behind the academy. It's a huge step, and you've got to be super serious about it to come here. Okay. So you know, with a lot of your guys, you know, Jarrett is involved in Pro 5. I know Cody is. I know Anthony Burke is the head coach there at Pro 5. Um, you know, what type of role do you kind of play in with this Pro 5 Academy? And how does, you know, K- the Canes baseball organization kind of play hand-in-hand with this newly um, established Pro 5 Academy there in Virginia? Yeah, we're not trying to cross uh, Canes baseball and, and the Academy. They're two different models, two different things. Um, you know, I'm here I'm, I'm at every practice here when we're, when we're here uh, working with the guys, home games um, here. Uh, attend a lot of the lifting and workouts, um, handle uh, the leadership stuff with uh, John Gordon and, uh, you know, try to just being involved in the day-to-day day-to-day of this, of this place. Uh, mine is not really going on, on a lot of road games um, just, just so I can just be here and be grounded. Cause obviously I travel a ton in the summer and stuff with the Canes and just try to be home as much as I can for my family. Okay. So one last thing I kind of want to dig into here before we end it off is, you know, focus performance. You said that's kind of where you're at right now, um, you know, on the day to day, you know, what, you know, take us through, you know, what exactly is focus performance, you know, how you got connected with that or how you got it started. Uh, just take us through your involvement there with focus performance. Yeah. More on the ownership side um, with Josh Johnson, who is, he runs unity softball, which is a high level travel softball organization. And, uh, you know, this is our facility where Pro 5 works out of. We do our schoolwork here. We do our lifting here, our hitting, our throwing. Um, Drew Anderson played an integral part of that. He owns Diamond Fit, which is out of Raleigh. We're basically in kind of a copy agreement with them where our our model is just that. It is Diamond Fit's model down in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Drew is also one of the owners of Pro 5. And uh, Drew was an integral part of getting this thing off the ground. He helped uh, with everything, really, the, the gym design, ordering the equipment, uh, hanging the cages, the cables. Me and him built the mounds here. And uh, just being in the nitty-gritty of getting this thing off the ground um, and using their model. It's really a a model where in the afternoons, um, Coach Maddie Mullen is, is running strength classes, and she can have 25 athletes in a class, and they could be all in different sports on 25 different programs that she's handwritten, that she's written to them um, based off of the sport that they're playing and the time of year that they're in. So it's really a, uh, it's kind of an innovative workout plan an innovative program in general. And uh, yeah, just on the day to day, I'm here in the mornings kind of working out of here and I don't attend many classes in the evenings uh, as Maddie is running those, but uh, 
Yeah, just that's kind of the thought process behind focus performance. Okay. All right. So I got three more questions here for you. Then we'll go ahead yep. and end it off. You know, so you know, we're two months into 2023, like you said before we started recording. I mean, it's already March 1st, but you know, what are some of these goals as you head into these next 10 months or so? You know, with Kane's baseball, Pro 5 Academy, just you know, all, all your different businesses in general. You know, what are some of these goals you know leading into 2023 and this 2023 summer as well with Kane's baseball? Yeah, I know that. 2023, you know, for me, coaching our team this summer, I'm really looking forward to that and being with those kids. I just want to impact those kids in every way possible. You know, want to give them a great experience, want to see if we can't uh, impact them off the field as well as on the field. But on the field, we want to really get in there and and just give them a great experience. I want them to walk away and feel like they were better for it. Obviously, we're going to try to win a lot of baseball games. Um, that's kind of our culture. You know, we're, we're going to try to win each game we play and be prepared for every game we play. And uh, but also at the same time, want to make sure every kid that walks through the door is better for it. Um, that's my focus there. And then with Pro 5, you know, it's same thing. I mean, it's we want to put a good team on the field in the fall. We want to finish out this year strong. Uh, middle of May will be our last time with these kids and want every player to walk through the door to be better for it. Um, so th- that's going to be our, our main focus is for sure. All right. So, you know, as we look beyond 2023, kind of take us through, you know, maybe your vision for Canes Baseball, Pro 5 Academy, focus performance as well. Um, just what is this vision here, you know, years beyond 2023, three, four, five years down the road, you know, kind of what's that vision kind of looking like, you know, for all your different organizations? Yeah. And so, you know, often I get asked a lot of questions about, you know, what was your plan and, you know, Again, I mean, I'll answer the question the same way I just answered the previous one. It, it, the, the focus is going to be on the players and making sure that they're serviced and there's communication, there's communication with parents, and that we're servicing the players at a high level. And the athletes at Focus Performance, when they walk in the door and Coach Mullen gives them a plan that when they finish here, they can honestly say that they be, they were better for it. And that's going to be the goal. Now, where that leads us, I have no, no earthly idea, but that was, the, that was the goal 18 years ago. And obviously a lot's happened in the last 18 years, but that's the motivation. And if that leads to more things, I mean, so be it. Um, but that's going to just be our goal is that every single person that walks through the door, uh, they're better for it. Okay. You know, from the answers to the last two questions, you know, I have a feeling what this answer is going to be for my final question, but, you know, I ask, you know, all you different coaches and directors when I get you on, that's my final question. And that is motivations. So what is it for you just to continuously, you know, go to work every day, you know, work your ass off in a way and, uh, you know, just continuously change lives for all these different ballplayers, you know, just deep down internally, you know, what, what, where do these motivations come from and what exactly are these motivations? Yeah. As I've gotten older, I, I just, want every kid you know specifically here because i see them almost on a daily basis and then in the summer you know i have a shorter window to do it but i just want them to really think and know that we care about them that i that i care about them and that i'm here for them and that i want to impact them in a positive way when i have them and and that's not all baseball related um it's also personally i want them to know that you know we're here and I want them – I feel like if I can reach as many players as I can in that way, 
then that's what's going to ultimately make me sleep at night and make me want to keep coming back. I mean, yeah, I'm ultra competitive. You know, I, I want to win baseball games. You know, I want to be around guys that want to get better every single day, which if we're all getting better every single day, then, you know, naturally we're going to win baseball games. But uh, that's definitely not my motivation as, as time has gone by. I just check the, if, that's, like I said, if, if we can impact kids every single day and do it at a high level and every single person that walks through the door was better for it, then that's what's going to, you know, fill up my cup. Okay, there we go. So that was the final question here on the Jake Hare podcast. I know you have a super busy schedule, so, you know, I'm super appreciative of you coming on the Jake Hare podcast, you know, giving me an hour or so of your time. Um, you know, I'm super pumped to dig into Kane's baseball. Obviously, this week I've got you, Dan, Cody, Jarrett, and Anthony coming on the show. And then beyond that, I'll have some, you know, some of your guys right now, some guys committed to schools, some colleges, some pro guys as well. Um, so super appreciative of your time, but also super appreciative of, you know, you guys giving me this opportunity to highlight the Canes organization. I mean, you know, best of luck. I know, pro, I know the Pro 5 season's getting rolling right now, so best of luck when it comes to this spring there. Best of luck this summer as you guys go ahead and just, you know, keep continue to dominate that um, summer ball circuit. Um, but, but like I said, just th thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.